Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and today Brett shares his final thoughts on Steam World Quest Hand of Gilgamesh after completing the campaign. One of my all-time favorite games, Factorio, has released its 1.0 version and exited early access, which has led me to diving back in for dozens of hours. Following our recent Tyrion episode, Brett actually went back and uncovered an entirely new set of mechanics in the game, and we wrap up with a shout-out to the recent All Games Done Quick speedrun. So what's up, Brett? What's got you picking up your sticks this week? What is up? All kinds of stuff. Um, but not a lot of any one thing. I've been kind of all over the map lately. You're like me. I, a little bit. A little bit. I have hey. been. Just, just a small amount. Um, I've been gaming in much shorter segments. Mm. Uh, and they've been getting shorter and shorter, kind of, because I've been working on, as we have talked about, lots of other projects. Um, but I will start with, uh, I have finished another game. Uh, where so, we separate. Yeah, this is the immediate deviation. No. <laughs> uh, I finally finished uh, SteamWorld Quest Hand of Gilgamesh. Mm. Or The Hand of Gilgamesh. Um, I was a little surprised because there wasn't the sixth character. Mm. There was a total... So, spoiler alert, there's a total chance for a redemption arc for, like, kind of the first... Not the first boss, but the first boss of the bad guys not just like a wild critter or a big troll or something but like the actual evil army there's like a commanding officer and he shows up multiple times and you like find him dilapidated in the woods in one section which is where i thought he i was like oh he's gonna be the next one he kind of runs away and then you find him captured is as a prisoner in the tower of like the the evil bad guy and I'm like, oh, this is where we like let him out because he's like, please help. Like, I'm so sorry for all the bad things that have happened. And your whole party just like up and nopes. Nice. Like, yeah, sucks. You're a bad guy. Peace. And leaves. And I'm like, I felt so bad. What? It well, like his head has a little. His head is a bird cage, and there's a little Tweety Bird inside of it, and the Tweety Bird's all sad and like lands on his shoulder and like isn't isn't in his head it like he 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 was just misguided yeah i mean that's fine but there's still i mean there's still a consequence right like there's still an outcome from his choices i mean he doesn't get to make all bad choices and hurt people and then be like nah my bad yeah but like he's now he's like i don't actually believe in the big bad i want to help you defeat the big bad and you can like, help him by staying here locked up, not out here hurting more folks like you've been doing. You and, know? Or he could go hurt some evil army guys. <laughs> he could help me break in because, like, oh, I'm like, pull a Star Wars, like, we're bringing the prisoner in. Like, <sighs> anyway. So, no sixth hmm. character. Yeah. Um, okay. I Overall. I think I give it like, I don't know. I don't rate games very often as this, I think is the first like real rating I want to give, but I feel like it deserves at least a seven out of 10, maybe an eight out of 10 if you're into card battlers. So, and I don't mean to disrespect your seven or eight out of 10. That's a valid rating and a common rating system. I, however, so Kotaku actually doesn't give any rating now when they do game reviews, they just write about it, which I don't really like. Um, I think it's kind of 
getting them off the hook, but whatever, it's fine. They have their reasons, but they used to do at the bottom. They would just give it a, should you play it or not? Right. Just a yes or a no, an up or down. Yeah. And like I a steam, that that, steam review style. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that, I think that I like that system more because that. in the end, like, and again, I don't mean that as a, as you can't do seven or eight out of 10, that's fine. No, but no, we, no. So I'm guessing that means a thumbs up though. Yeah, it is a thumbs up. I would give it a positive review when, when I eventually do my steam review for it. It has some caveats there. The secrets are all, all but unfindable without a walkthrough. Um, unless you really stumble into it, um, because some of them, even if you're in the area where the secret is like, it'll be, there'll be a foreground element. So your character walks behind it. And then somewhere in that area is a lever that you can pull, but you've got to do, like we talked about the point and click adventure thing where you like trace your mouse up and down back and forth all the way panning down the screen until it turns into a hand and you can click on the lever. And it's like, and it's behind a foreground element. Like, just put it off to the side in a visible area because you like walk down a bridge in the other direction for a while, and there's obviously no other room. Why is there so much bridge? Just put the lever lever visible. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to right. walk back. You have to backtrack through half the level to go to the place the lever unlocked anyway. Hiding it behind a foreground element is just. There's no other way you'd. You might stumble into some, but there's no way that you 100% that game without an incredible amount of tedium or like a walkthrough. Like you don't right. luck your way into that many secrets and there's, there's like one to two every level. So I'm, I'm kind of against that. That's bothersome. I'm kind of against the amount of grind. Like I, I did not ever play with character five that I had unlocked because they had so many cards that I would have had to pick up. And now that I was upgrading cards, I had so, such a much more powerful synergy, even mm. if the enemy had resistance to most of what I could throw at them, I could still out damage their resistance and keep my party healed better than I would have by swapping characters out by the end mm. of the game. So, yeah, it almost sounds like maybe it's just a, um, we could have used maybe, some different balancing so that so that like a getting other characters up to level wouldn't be such a, a hassle and b right. making it so that you can't be effective right with only with switch, you know with only five characters i think it would have been really good to allow hot swapping mid battle so like you could only have three active and those would be the 30 cards in your deck but a little bit closer to like a pokemon's type thing where one of my dudes is getting because there was enough damage thrown out on some of the things like the final boss that it could have still and it maybe that it costs two cards or something and or all three cards to swap a hero out. There was still enough damage being done that that would still be risky to do and you could still have characters go down because you only have five characters so it wouldn't be like an infinite health pool kind of thing or whatever. I feel like that being able, if I could have swapped out characters mid battle, there's also just a lot of other synergies that different cards and different characters had that I could have activated more types of those more frequently. I think I would have definitely experimented with other characters more by the end. I played through probably the last like three missions, three or four full missions with the same heroes all the way through. Yeah. Like once I found my synergies, I just locked into them and I could switch out when I did switch out cards. I swatched switched out cards on one character 
and swap them from like fire damage to lightning damage and that would be mm. it yeah it, it, totally different kind of game but now all games have rpg elements mm -hmm. so um but dawn of war 2 um it, it's an rts but it's more of like a squad focused thing like you're not there's no base building right you don't yes. control an army yeah you control maybe a total of 20 soldiers at any given time split up into like four and different groups all kind of custom kind of yeah. yeah yeah like you'll have one squad that's like the assault marines that have jetpacks and then another one that's like snipers and another one that's got the heavy machine gun and then your your force commander that's got like a power sword and pistol or whatever and you can customize those outside of every mission and kind of change up what you've got like the yeah, war gear you get i think five at least and i haven't gotten super far into it but i had unlocked five different heroes squads whatever you want to call them but you can only take four per mission so you've mm -hmm. got to at least leave one behind right however while they do gain experience for going on the mission a really interesting mechanic is that whenever you sell gear like drops that you get you get experience for that that goes to the whole party even yes. people who weren't on the mission yes so i thought that was a really interesting mechanic and i think there's other games that do it too that they're eluding me right now where your party will level up with you even if they didn't fight yeah they're they would get reduced xp in the in in steam world um there also is just like some mechanics that i could see smoothed up a little bit better by the time i was earning ridiculous amounts of gold um but I needed to buy materials to upgrade cards that needed like 60 of a material uh, and I'd have like five. You can buy them from the market, but you have to kind of sit there and hold a button down, like hold left down to buy 50 of an item. When I need to upgrade a card and you have to exit out of the upgrade card that you want to upgrade, exit out of the upgrade menu, go to the buy menu, then go to buy materials, then buy your material. So just in, in buying items, I think that like if I'm going to upgrade a card and I need the material, just say you have five of this and you need 60. Would you like to purchase the other 55 for 5,500 gold? And then I could click yes. That would keep me from skipping back and forth between all these menus and having to like write down and remember like because uh, it's not very obvious. They're all very generic materials and there's like four of them. So it's mm. like, I need 30, I've got to do the math. I need 32 of these. I need seven of these and 18 of those. Let me go two menus back, buy them, come two menus forward, skip to page two to the card that I want to upgrade, click on it. And now I can like just skip all of that. But again, it's not a huge complaint. It's just slightly frustrating. Like there's a lot of unnecessary menu jumping that I need to go through in the later game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as we've talked about, again, an entirely different game and genre and everything, and it doesn't sound like it's nearly as extreme, but I mean, the reason I don't play No Man's Sky is because of the UI. Yeah. So the UI can matter a lot. Yeah. Um, and not just the UI, but the, the way in which you how many menus you have to go through and how tedious it feels to go through those. And I think, honestly, No Man's Sky UI probably would make more sense if I would just play with a controller, I guess. Yeah. But any game where I need to go through an inventory of dozens of items, I want to do that with a mouse. I don't right, want to but do the that. Fact with if you have a mouse and keyboard offer, like even even with like Hannah Gilgamesh, if I need to, especially when you have more than like five or ten of something that you can need, if I need 60 of an item, don't just give me. And like if you just use the mouse, you have to click 50 times. But if you use the keyboard, you can hold the key down and it'll go faster, which great. But just make it an editable field. Let me enter 55. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, 
one of the oldest games I've played that had that kind of user interface interaction would be Romance of the Three Kingdoms on Sega Genesis. Well, Romance of the Three Kingdoms 3, to right. be clear. Um, <laughs> for, for anyone who might know what that is, um, I don't need a well, actually. The first one was on NES, I know. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, even that game had the ability to just enter a value if you wanted to. Like right, you, a number pad pops up and you can... Right, yeah. right. Um, so anyway, overall, good. it was a good game. The last battle is long, and I failed it twice. Once, so once I failed it, definitely like in the last phase of the boss. There's like three phases. It's about a 15, 20 minute boss battle for a card battler where you have a 30 card deck. It's a lot. Um, the second time, the, or I'm sorry, the third time, the first time I failed like right out the gate. And I even like tried to use the suggested cards and I was like, no, I'm going back to my, my deck because those are all upgraded. And these cards that I was trying to use weren't. And uh, yeah, the very last attempt, I was... So the boss has an ability that reduces everybody to one HP, but then it it takes a turn where it's like out, right? Where it doesn't take any actions. It's like powers down for a turn or whatever. Um, but it its other attacks could do like a third of your health and damage. And in the last phase, it gets like all of them. Like it has like multiple pieces that can attack. Um, so I was at one HP and had no healing cards mm. and I only had one turn of, of it not attacking before it would attack me again. And so I, it was real luck. It took me a minute to figure out, like, I have one turn to try to kill it and it, it has an HP bar, but it doesn't have a number. So I didn't mm. know, and you can show health numbers, I think, but I just didn't have that turned on. I didn't think about it. And so I was like, I don't know how much health this sliver is. It could be one. It could be a thousand. Right. And like, so it was down to the wire where I legit. And if I would have died there, I would have been very mad because it was already I had already spent like 45 minutes fighting the boss. Like two runs was 45 minutes. Right. And I was like, if that if I don't beat him here, I'm just dead because it'll get three attacks and I have three characters at one health. Mm. so i i just lose if i use rev and i was out of like revives and big potions and stuff so i would have to go rebuy all of that and grind for it and it's just like but i, I got lucky and i beat it and, nice and, uh, yep there is a new game plus available so i was kind of excited and you get to keep all your cards and upgrades where they're at uh and the enemies are harder and do more new things and there's some new enemies and some new abilities that they they never used against you in in the first playthrough but you only start with the same first two characters and you have to rediscover the other characters so even if i wanted to swap out for the fifth character that i never used that's in like chapter three of six in the story that you get them so like i would have to get through half the game to get back to them and i just didn't have the faith or heart for that. I, I thought I did start a new game plus to see like if they're if I get to keep all my characters because it says you get to keep all your cards and equipment and everything else. I was like, cool. If I keep the characters, then I'll play with them. Mm. Um, but if and I'll try new game plus. If not, which it wasn't, I was like, nope, I can't be bothered. You pick up the third character out after the first chapter, but you don't pick up the fifth character till a ways later. And I'm like, no, I don't want right. to. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have to find if the secret areas all have new items in those two and further that progress. Like, I just can't be. It, it's a good game. 
I don't New Game Plus a lot of games, though. So, I mean, like, once through is enough for me. So for people who have listened to the show regularly, they'll, you know, obviously be familiar with this because you've kind of kind of been talking about the game over the, over the last, I don't know, month or so. I mean, yeah. we've had some different episodes throughout, but um, but just for anyone who maybe is just tuning into this episode, real quickly, if you don't mind, I mean, you, you know, yeah. obviously you've stated some things about it that maybe weren't quite to your liking, but a seven or eight out of 10 or a thumbs up means that you do actually like it. Yeah, it was a good game. So I don't, and again, you know, if people are, are interested in hearing how you really think about it, they can go listen to some of those other episodes, but maybe just a high level rundown of what what qualities of the game you do think are, 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 are good or outstanding. Sure, sure. So, I mean, it, there are very few adventure-based card battlers, if mm. any, um, from a... I don't know if you want to call them like a double A studio by this point. Like they're not an indie anymore. They've produced a number of games. Um, the Steam World games are all the it, it all is very tongue in cheek. Uh, I actually the the punny humor is there, but it is not overboard. Uh, there's just a few good puns, and that's it. Um, I think that the interactions that that you can get between the characters and the cards and your loadouts and weapons especially by the mid to late game, open up quite a bit. In the early game, you get kind of... So each character, if you play three cards from the same character, they get a fourth card automatically that's like a, a special attack or a special defense or whatever. Right. And it's based on whatever weapon they have. Well, in the early game, the next weapon that you could get that like doubles your damage has a different card uh, mm. for your super ability. And you only get... It's either use your old card with less damage or get this new fancy card with more damage. Later on, you can pick between two or three weapons that are all the same cost that all up your damage by the same amount and offer you a differentiation between the three cards that you have available as your super. So you can get your old super back with increased damage later on. Um, so I, I, I that was kind of like in the early game, I get what they're doing. They're trying to show you there's new cards that you and get you to try them. So you don't just use your old ones. Um, I love the art, the art style of all the SteamWorld games as I'm a big fan of. And the music is really, really good. The character voices are all kind of like Don't Starve. Where they're mm. they're like robotic voices, but they're different flavors of robotic voice. Mm. Um, and the story is halfway decent. I mean, it's it's framed as a kind of a princess bride father telling the son, the son the story of what's going on. I would have appreciated a couple of cutbacks to that to like the mm. father and son port portion, um, just so the kid asks a question or has to pick it up another night or something. You know. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, that would have been fun, but it wasn't necessary. And um, I think all, the combat was pretty fair in a lot of places. I, I, I really did enjoy the card battling aspect. At first, I was kind of frustrated by how few cards I got to play. Um, but it also allowed you to synergize and kind of power game a lot better, where you learned certain combos and you got to execute those combos multiple times. Um, there was still a fair bit of randomness, so you weren't getting to execute exactly what you wanted every turn. Uh, but you could leverage it when you needed it mm. and kind of plan for it. So I, I really like the game, the flow of the game. The power level that you kind of progress through was pretty solid. I never felt 
too, I never felt too overpowered. And if I did, like if I went way back to try to grind an area, you just aren't rewarded very well for grinding it. Mm. So you could get gold, but that you're better off grinding the level that you're in and just starting it back over or the last level than you are going several levels back. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the music and art style was great. The story was pretty good. The uh, I, li I liked the way that the card battling was handled. Uh, I liked some of the options that were available to like run the game at 2x speed constantly for mm, all of your in-combat stuff. So it, once you're tired of the animations and just want to sift through things and you know what you're doing, now you can misclick a lot more easily there. Um, right. And it may just go, but once you're comfortable with it, the, the chances are pretty low, and there's a few mechanics that safeguard you from making too many mistakes. Um, yeah, again, not directly related, but so Final Fantasy X I played through on PC within the last couple of years, and it actually has a feature that I'm sure was not in the original PS2 version of the game, um, but where you can actually just fast forward combat, which is amazing because especially in that game which also contains a lot of grinding as you get farther into it it you know it, again it, sure the animations are cool it's whatever but if you've seen it a thousand times you've seen right. it a thousand times so yeah that's awesome and none of the animations are really terribly lengthy um sure either so they aren't like summoning like five minute summons that go through and do a bunch of stuff either there's a couple of them that are a little out there but right um, yeah i think I, overall it was just a very I, there hasn't been a Steam World game that I have dis disliked, yeah. um, which is really incredible because, like we've talked about before, every single one of their games is completely different in style. Um, yeah, yeah, which is really yeah. Is I mean, as we you're right, we have talked about it before, so I don't want to belabor it, but you're right. It it's super cool how they do that. It's super cool that they're brave enough to do it, and it's super cool that they're actually talented enough to pull it off. Yeah. So, so yeah. on them. Awesome, awesome game. I was very, I was, and again, so unfortunately I'd left the game on overnight once, just in a pause menu. So even the in-game timer showed like 60 hours mm -hmm. uh, of playtime. But I think it is about a solid 20 hours of playtime like we talked about. Um, if you go secret hunting and you grind, and you almost have to grind a little bit to get to the end boss, whether that's through the Coliseum that's available in like the later game that's kind of a radiant area that you can, if you push it, you can keep getting gold. You can't replay old levels of the Coliseum to get gold. Um, but you have to at least do that some or grind some of the earlier levels and or go get all the secrets. If you don't get all of the secrets, there just will be some things that you can't do. Um, oh. And there's just a lot of the secrets are cards. Um, and some of them, some of them are kind of useless. Some of them are very powerful. Now, most of your main cards you get throughout the story or through buying them, but there are some really good cards that I definitely used a lot of that that are secret cards. Um, I don't think they're required, but if you don't get them, then you're going to have to grind up because I didn't max out all of my cards that I was using. Um, but I think you would probably have to max out more of them than I did. Uh, yeah, for sure. So maybe if maybe if you hadn't had gotten the secrets, then the maybe then the balancing also would have been a bit different right like maybe probably i may have used other characters more um right right but no i think uh, overall really good game i think 20 to 30 hours depending on how you play um is a pretty solid estimate probably average about 25 for most people on 
the standard difficulty is what I played through. They have an easier and a harder difficulty and a new game plus. I think the new game plus probably would be pretty enjoyable. Um, like if you're into it, I think that it, the new game plus having enemies throw new attacks at you is cool. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's very rare that I don't know if I've ever, I've definitely started a new game plus like once or twice in right. a game. But it's, I mean, I don't beat a lot of games, so I don't even get to that point. And certainly if I beat one, I'm not like, well, let's get back to it right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe maybe an opportunity for, you know, maybe in a year or something, you come back. And maybe on your next playthrough, you just start on New Game yeah, Plus. Yeah, I, I would be willing to pick up where I left off at New Game Plus at the very start of the very first mission um, yeah. as a, you know... Because it's not so much of a game that I would be like unfamiliar with it and feel like I needed to replay from the beginning. I have no feeling of needing to do that. And right. I think that a lot of the SteamWorld games have done that for me. Where once, like they are just the right length. Where when you're done with them, you don't feel like like an, playing it over, especially like just straight through from the beginning on a normal playthrough. There's no really incentive or even feeling like i'm not sitting there going gee i wish there was one more chapter but right. i'm also not like gee i can't believe that last chapter took so much to grind through like i wish it would have stopped a chapter ago they really are good at having like a perfect length game yeah. that when you're done with it you've gotten all of the upgrades you're fully powered you feel great you win and you're done right and it's a very contained experience so I, then there's just not a lot of that in today's gaming like a lot of it is end game content grind, you know, like we yeah, games but, as a service kind of thing. I will call out the gaming community for being responsible for that because when Call of Duty started releasing six hour campaigns, which I will vouch is the appropriate length for a Call of Duty campaign. Yeah. Because it's like a it's like a really, really, really long action movie, mm-hmm. which is fine. But I don't need 20 hours of that. It's not I, that I don't good. want to binge it as a series on Netflix. I want the two <laughs> or three movies. Right. Um, but but when that happened, people start coming out in, in droves about how this is a ripoff and games should be longer and blah, blah, blah. And of course, to Call of Duty's defense, they offered an incredibly deep and robust multiplayer, right. which is really what the popularity of the game is driven by. But the response was like kind of a Ubisoft thing where... It, yeah, where they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll just make a bunch of... St- because, well, that's the thing, though, is it's like the formula for a Call of Duty game isn't fun enough for more than that, like, in right. the single player, you know? Like, it's... You've done everything what- you can do in a Call of Duty game in the first level, <laughs> for the most part, outside yeah. of maybe getting a new gun or an airstrike or something, like, some right. special moment. But those well, happen but the- once. Right. Well, and there's because of the way that those games play specifically, it's not like a um, it's not even like a Halo or something where it's because it's not it's not that arcadey. I mean, obviously, Call of Duty games are arcadey, but they're arcadey in the way that the shooting works more so than like you're not jumping off walls and stuff. Right. Well, and you're not you don't get to a point where it's like you start as a fully powered character and then you lose all your powers and have to go get all of them. And that doubles the length of the game. Like, right. Right. But yeah, well, that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick up Hand of Gilgamesh probably the next Steam sale that comes yep. around. I, I or... do definitely recommend it as a Steam sale. Um, I also recommend it. It's not bad for, for full price. I think it definitely offers... I think the content is there to pay full price. Sure. Um, so, 
I'm definitely not against that either. But what about you? What I'm are you trying, been up to? I'm trying to think. I'll uh, um, I'll get there in just a second. I'm trying to yeah. think that the last time I I guess the last is not that long ago. The last time I paid full price for a game was Doom Eternal because it was brand new. Right. But but it's pretty rare that I buy games brand new. But it's because my backlog is so huge that <laughs> <laughs> that you only have to buy on Steam sale. Right. <laughs> no, I think I, I, I'm a lot more willing to pay full price for an indie title or even, a like we said, like a double A style title than I am for uh, a triple A. I would much rather. I mean, I've been ha- I've had the what is it? The last random Jedi Star Wars game that was really good uh, on my wish list for a while. But even like thirty dollars, I'm like, nah, nah, I'll wait for maybe 20. Like We're talking about the Fallen Order, yeah, Fallen Order. I don't know. I don't know what you would think of that. Have you ever played a Dark Souls game? I've played ish like games in like probably Ninja Gaiden is as close as I get to a Dark Souls. But um, I play games with, uh, you know, the rolling and the dashing and the more time yeah, fighting. Right, right. That's what Jedi Fallen Jedi Fallen Order plays like. It feels like Dark Souls very specifically because it uses the mechanic where you're in an area, you fight all the enemies in the area, you get to a campfire and at the campfire, that's where you like basically turn in your XP. Right. And like, it kind of acts as like a checkpoint. But if you decide to like turn in your XP and like heal or, or whatever, it repops all of the enemies in that area. Okay. I mean, that's kind of what hand of Gilgamesh does too. There's a, there's a save uh, totem, but you can also just save, as outside of any battle, the game is auto saved as well. I so. don't know if in Fallen Order it does it just when you save, or if it's just if you like heal at the. That's what the part. totem. If you heal at the totem, it respawns all the enemies. Yeah, so. gotcha. Oh, look at that! The Souls like genre creeps into adventure card battlers yeah, as well. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> Souls like Souls like and roguelike are the most the two most popular subgenres after RPG. I think that have infiltrated all of gaming. Right? I think like, battle <laughs> battle battleground style is getting there i mean i would say arguably by user base it's more popular but not in number of games that have copycatted their format or taken their formula and put it in another formula right 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 um anyway yeah so so i have uh returned to really it's just one of my all-time favorite games um so recently within the last few weeks um factorio dropped their 1.0 version so they finally exited early access i don't know how i missed this in the news cycle but that's amazing <laughs> um yeah yeah Factorio was an amazing game it is well and it was cool and the they, they you know they do a, a dev blog weekly that's the friday fun facts and they they showed in the one when it came out um like how i didn't i didn't realize the history of factorio because i probably discovered factorio in like 20 16 maybe somewhere in there and maybe that's when it came to steam i don't know but it actually was like a kickstarter game originally in like Mm -hmm. 2012 i think yeah and it showed like the original art that it had and like where it has come from there is shocking i'll have to go read Um, that for sure yeah it's pretty cool but um but it's 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 too bad because they i mean to be clear the game is excellent the game has been excellent for years i mean honestly I loved it in 2016. I've never played Factorio. It is maybe one of the very rarest examples of early access where I have played it for hundreds of hours in early access and never once felt like 
the, the FOMO of like, well, I don't want to miss out on the final version. Right. It was already excellent. Yeah. Um, so they didn't, what happened was they were originally going to release in the 1.0 version in like late September, I think, or maybe early October, somewhere in there. But then uh, Cyberpunk 2077 uh, had their release date moved there. Yep. So then nobody packed, wants to compete that. Right. They were like PC gaming is going to be dominated by that. So we don't want to try and compete there. So they moved it back to this August time frame. And then like two weeks after that, Cyberpunk said, oh, we're actually going to move it to November. Like they right. moved it even later. So really Factorio didn't have to move their date. But what that meant was there were some things that they intended to include in the 1.0 version that they didn't because uh, they wanted to get it out ahead of right. that. But again, that's why I prefaced it how I did, because that being said, it's not like it's feature incomplete. I, I have no idea what else <laughs> there is. I'm sure they have covered it all in their blogs. But it, but they did add one thing that you would love a lot, and that is a, a final vehicle that is a mechanized spider tank yes. that actually has telescoping legs that like, so when it walks over stuff, the legs like... Oh, that's awesome. So you're not just rampaging over all your trees. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, And and it has a remote control, so you don't actually even have to be in it. You can just go assault aliens without it. Yes. Uh, Anyway, um, so yeah, Factorio, I've returned to it. I I took off work last week and wanted some, some decompression time. And it turned out, I guess, I needed some Factorio time because I put in... Not very many days, upwards of thirty hours. Yeah, um, and just just went at it, and yeah, I just I, it's funny I, because Factorio is a game that I feel like appeals more to me, but you have definitely gotten way further in that game than I ever have. I don't know. The thing is, is that I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what this means about me, and I'm not going to make it an inappropriate joke, but. Um, I just really kind of like sorting things <laughs> like my most favorite time that I ever had in, in Minecraft ever was when we downloaded these mods that were like industrial craft, I think is what they mm-hmm. were called. There was a couple others, but one of the mods and it might've just be industrial craft. It had this excavator. I don't know that wasn't like what it was the, called. The quarry would be build craft. That's which is correct. usually included with industrial craft like they play together that is what what it is it's the quarry and so with the quarry you set out like a, a square or a rectangle of these beacons i don't know if it can go infinite but it can go pretty big and then it places the quarry in that zone and that is the zone that the quarry will dig out and so it mm-hmm. will dig out every block all the way to bedrock in whatever zone you've set yep well that's great because that's greatly reduces the amount of time you spend looking at yourself left clicking a rock in front of your face yep however what it also means is that you produce an insane amount of materials that i don't know how you could ever use and so instead of trying to like manually sort those we we had a mod that might be the same one or i don't know what it was but anyway it allowed you to build um pipes basically that you could suck items through Mm -hmm. And you could put filters. There were like filter sorter pipes. And so we actually had this huge complex of chests in our base. And then on the back side of that was plugged into this network from the quarry so that it auto sorted everything. 
Yep. And I loved the process of setting that all up and like <laughs> seeing how it worked and be like, oh my God, it all it's all here. And like getting things to like dump into this chest and then go into a furnace and this kind of automation thing. And I just thought it was great, except that then once it was all set up, I just quit playing Minecraft because for what? Like why? Yeah, you're not going to take I... all that and go build a castle. No, I mean, well, we tried, but it's to what end? Like right. I'll build the castle and then never use it because there's nothing to do, right. at least back in 2013 or whenever this was. Anyway, so I don't know. There's something about that that appeals to me so much. And so when I saw Factorio, that, that I mean... The thing is, is that in so many survival games, which Factory isn't really a survival game, you don't manage hunger or yeah, thirst or any of that. But in a lot of open world kind of games like that, where you're having to collect resources, so much of your time is spent manually collecting these. Re like, mm -hmm. let's look at Don't Starve, where there is no automation right. ever. Right? And, and I find it tedious after a while, whatever the game is, Ark, Don't Starve, Minecraft, terraria any of right. them i get tired of having to go look and i love that factorio is built around the premise of like everything should be automated yeah there's nothing in the game that you can't make with a factory and if you if you can't make it it's just because you don't have enough whatever power resources whatever it is yeah and i don't know anyway i don't mean to just no 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 it's funny because it's like the point that you love is the point where i burn out and I think that's why Factorio doesn't work for me is because there's, for me, nothing to do except more automation, which frustrates me. Because for me, I would do the build craft and the industrial craft and I would set up the filters and the sorting. But all of that I would kind of do begrudgingly to mm. get the massive number of items to go build a castle with. Because right. that was for me as like, I want the massive number of items so I don't have to worry about smelting stone or ever having to mine because that's not fun. Right. Really, it just again speaks to the fact that I should go freaking play creative mode. <laughs> um, right. Because right. by the time I built the sorting network and messed with all the power and got through all that stuff, and you usually have to build through several series of like better and bigger solar panels to run your quarry and your network and your whatever. All of that I didn't want to do just so that I could get the jetpack and the ruler and infinite blocks. Again, should just play creative mode. Um, and so, but by the time I got to that point, I would be burned out playing the game. Right. And so I would be mad that I had all the things that I needed to go pl actually play. Right. Um, and, and just wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, Factorio, I get like halfway in. By the time I get into like mid-level oil production is when I get real sick and tired of sorting and filtering stuff and just give up. <laughs> so that used to be that used to be where I would break down as well. Um, and so I actually want to back up just a moment though because there could be people that aren't familiar That's with fair. Factorio. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's like can can we get a little bit more description of what it is? Yeah. So Factorio um, is a game where you basically crash land on an alien planet. Which that's another thing they added at least since the last time I played. When you start, there's now a giant burning spaceship crashed Ooh. on the ground, and you can harvest it for a few iron plates nice. or whatever. So a little a little touch to kind of explain right. <laughs> why you're here. But it's it's a game where you start and you're just a guy on this blank canvas of a world. Like there are no structures. There's there's just there's there's patches of different ores like copper and iron and eventually uranium and, and oil, like you'd mentioned. Um, 
and and your goal you've crash landed on this alien planet your goal is to build a rocket to escape the planet is at least the original premise right um and so the way you achieve that is by extracting the resources from the planet and then over time doing research and and basically unlocking further and further tiers of science until eventually you unlock the ability to make the rocket which then is its own undertaking still to make it um so when i say automation though i mean you know you find a patch of ore again in most games you're having to go and, and hit it with a pickaxe or something and in factorio you just build a drill yep. and then at first the drill has to be powered by coal um but eventually you get ones that are electric powered well and you and, everything has like an import and an outport so you your first drill you have to load by hand but you then build four drills on top of coal that all point into each other and now they infinitely feed each other coal until they're full mm-hmm. and you can easily run by and grab the excess coal off of them and then use that for your other devices um so like if you mine iron or copper, you've got to smelt it in a furnace. Right. And then you get plates. And anyway, and, and so then you're turning those plates into other products. Like maybe you turn the, the copper into copper wire. Well, and, and all of this is wire. done through conveyor belts and robotic yeah. arms to lift things out. So you don't have to grab them manually. You can send stuff across the map on conveyor belts. Like, yep. You can build conveyor belts that go underground. You can build pipes to transport fluids and those can go underground. Um, and, and I also, I should back up the view of the game is, is basically a, an isometric kind of top down view, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, another game that's similar that people may be familiar with that's 3d. And then I've talked about a little bit before also is satisfactory. Yeah. Um, that actually just came to steam. It used to be an Epic exclusive, but satisfactory is, is also actually a really great, kind of similar logistics simulator or whatever, but it's a lot more tedious because it's first person. Uh So whenever you want to build a big chunk of anything, you have to kind of walk there in first person and see the next square. Whereas in Factorio, because of the view that you get, and it's pretty, it's pretty generous with the range from your character that you can play stuff. Like it's not just arm's reach. So you can, build and tear down really enormous things really quickly um which is it just it reduces the tedium because a lot of the game is building a design and then realizing that maybe it was good enough for what you first started with but now it needs to be redone and like in satisfactory that's where it kind of started to break me down where i kind of lost my mojo with it was I'd spend a bunch of time building this like two-story factory and i was really proud of it and then i got a new resource and realized that my factory was just not set up correctly to handle this new resource. Right. And it's like, I don't want to do it all over again. In Factorio, it's just not that big of a deal to scrap things and start over. Yep. Uh, And you can blueprint whole chunks of things. It's not just like one building. You like have like 10 buildings and all the pipes and conveyors and arms and everything and just grab it as a blueprint and then duplicate it. If you have a good design, you just need more. Well, then duplicate it and you're good. Yeah, so at first when you did, when you get that, you 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 duplicate it and it puts a ghost image basically, mm-hmm. and so then you can see kind of a template of where to place things. Eventually, though, you unlock the ability to use construction robots, which is yep. just little tiny robots, and then you can drop a blueprint. And if the materials are available to the robots, 
they will build it for you. Right. Which is probably the other thing about Factorio that I cannot get enough of. <laughs> like, so I'm at a point now, I'm well past the beginning of getting robots. I'm at a point now where I have the full robot set up. And I mean, last night I, I, I issued some new orders for the robots and, and you can, you can mouse over the, what's called the robo port, which is like their, their home base. Like you have to have at least one robo port for yeah, robots they to work. there. And they're kind of like quadcoptery little guys. Yeah. Like little drones. Um, but anyway, if you mouse over the robo port, it'll show you how many robots you have and how many of them are, are in use at that moment. Right. I was at like 500 and all of them were tapped. Wow. So I built another 500. So I'm over a thousand. So there's just like at any time in my base, there's just this constant stream of robots fulfilling all of these requests because eventually you get to a point where you can create like from the early in the game, you can create chests to, for storage to, mm -hmm. to put your stuff in. Well, eventually you can create chests that are, that are part of the logistics network. Yeah. So you can like, have the chest request certain items and have other chests be a provider for certain items. And then the robots will automatically go and grab from the provider chests and take them to the requester chests. So then it eliminates the need for conveyor belts, at least to some extent, because right. the robots do it all. Um, yeah. I yeah, just, the amount of computational ability, logistics ability that's in Factorio, like people have made not just Darude Sandstorm, the song but the entire music video played on programmed video screens <laughs> running as a full program that is then self-building and like the whole thing will build itself from a robo port and then play sandstorm like it's ridiculous how much you, how far you can go with that game if you want to well, and because, I mean, I'm talking about the logistic chess, but you can actually set up circuit networks and there's combinators and all sorts of different things you can use. I am not smart enough to do any of that, but I have downloaded blueprints off the internet <laughs> of people who were smart enough. And it's incredible what some people are able to do. I mean, if you're into that kind of math, it's kind of similar to like Redstone stuff in Minecraft yeah. where you've got a mind for that. You can do crazy stuff. I mean, just like in Minecraft, they make computers in that right. too, right? Um, but yeah, just really, really fun stuff. And then another element to it is you have, because it is an alien world, there is an alien population of basically these bug-like creatures. Well, as we described before, you've got your coal that you have to, to initially use for power. And then it, pretty quickly you can transition to steam, except that you're burning coal to make that steam. Right. Well that creates pollution. And then all of your factories also create some amount of pollution. So you can open up your map, which is a procedurally generated map to, to begin with. So it's, which I also love in this game. Um, and it, it, you can see how wide your pollution range is basically. Well, the enemy bug aliens have nests all over the world. And if your pollution touches their nest, they will attack your base. Yeah, they get mad. They do not like smog. Correct. So then you have to spend time. Either you can build walls, you can build turrets to defend yourself, and then you can also build explosives eventually. I mean, eventually you can build atomic bombs and just Go nuke, them. nuke them. I was actually working on that last night. That's my don't next like research. pollution. Have a nuke. Yeah. See how much you don't like pollution now. 
I know it is actually kind of a dark game if you really look at it because it's like you crash on this world and then just excavate all of the natural resources, mm-hmm. exterminate all of the natural life that would even dare to challenge you just so you can get, get I mean, back at out. least you exterminate it in Minecraft. You literally enslave it so that you can collect its parts, you know, like <laughs> I need to make sure I have an Enderman spawning area over here because I need more <laughs> Ender Pearls. Like I need hundreds of them, please fall into this one area that i can attack you all and you can't hit me with like (laughs) that's fair but yeah so then so then there's this whole combat side to it because really the bugs will continue so they have two ways that they evolve one is just time elapsed in the game and the second is how often you've killed them so the more you kill them and the more time that has elapsed the the harder they get and it's not just a hit point increase like they actually go from like small to to medium to large melee ones and then they start introducing ones that spit uh like acid at you and those increase in size and in power and health and everything and then like at their base they have these stationary worms that come up out of the ground and nightmarish they are so incredibly accurate yeah Um, (laughs) you basically have to juke the entire time you fight them because if you're running a straight line it will anticipate where you'll be when yeah. it's projected all lands and hit you a hundred percent of the time. So you have to stop and go while it's shooting to grenades, to just grenades, <laughs> grenades, yeah, rockets. Um, but then you get into this whole other side where you can build vehicles. So eventually, like I'd mentioned the mechanized spider tank, but there's also cars and just regular tanks. I had gotten to a tank once, once mm. I had played through and played past petroleum long enough to get tanks. Yeah. And was very satisfied with, squishing aliens just running over them and and i had a car too the buggy is great for getting around a big base because your base gets huge you do get like huge bases and you need a car to drive from one side to the other right right yeah you do and so that we were talking about the pollution well then pretty quickly you you unlock the it's probably mid-game i guess but to me that seems quickly now but you unlock the ability to build uh, solar panels Mm -hmm. and then accumulators that will store energy so that when the solar panels turn off, the accumulators will then pa- provide the power that they did. But the benefit of those is they don't create any extra pollution. Right. So very early, as soon as I can build solar panels, I start building factories to mass produce them. So that way, once I get some accumulators, I can go out and just drop these giant fields of solar panels. But I mean, last night I looked, because you can, you can look at your stats and see at any time how many of a certain building type you have. I think I have 4,000 solar panels and like 3,500 accumulators. Wow. Yeah. Like it's, but it's all built via blueprint, right? Because I refuse to go drop all that. So I built one, one segment of that and then blueprinted it and then had the robots. And then just, I just go out into a field and just drop lines of solar panel blueprints and then just drive around in a car. So, and let so the instead robots of polluting play. your planet, they're, you're glassing it. Like yes. you're just not using a plasma cannon. You're just you're just literally making glass for it. <laughs> like right, right. Now eventually you can make uh you can you, you can start mining uranium. Do and then do, right, and if you do that, that provides an insane amount of power with very little pollution. But then so, you have to deal with the nuclear waste, and you do, you do, and there, but there's all sorts of cool ways to do that. Like if initially when you get it, you can't do anything with the waste. You just kind of, it's just there and there's not a delete option. Like there's not a trash can trash cans. Right. Um, but they actually have a technology that allows you to repurpose the depleted fuel cells and 
put them back you know, in over a few boil drums on top of alien nests you know just <laughs> yeah um I, yeah it's just it's just so cool though because it, again it, it offers not just not just logistic stuff but also kind of an rts combat kind mm-hmm. of feel i feel like the marriage of those things was done really well and like you yeah. can get trains Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't mention trains. Like, because the map gets so big and you will run out of resources in your starting area, but your base is there. So now you've got to get resources from much further away and bring them back to your base or build a second base out there and you don't want to start from scratch. So you build a train network and you can automate that and have trains deliver and arms pick up stuff and dump it out of your train. And then you can build different cars for your train like a combat car so it can defend itself against alien attacks because the aliens will attack your train like yeah i mean you can eventually get artillery that will auto fire at enemies and you can put that on a train car and yeah it'll just go on the track and just blast anything that comes in range of it it's funny that i forgot to mention it though because so there's there's several you can you know obviously there's the default starting conditions but then they also offer a few different presets that you can use um for starting conditions However, I will also say a really cool thing is that they also just give you access to all of the various parameters, whether it be how big resource nodes are, how rich they are, like how dense they are of material, how frequent the enemies spawn, how fast they evolve. All of these things are sliders that you can control. So you can really create kind of whatever setup you want. Yeah. My point being, you're not limited to the presets. No, the world creation is in depth. Don't mess with it until you know what you're doing. (laughs) Because you Um, will not realize what kind of game you've made for yourself. Right. But yeah, so I started playing, uh, I started a rail world game, which means that the resources are much farther apart. So it demands the use of trains, um, which I've used trains in probably every game I've played, but I've never done a rail world. So I wanted to see what it was like. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a, Obviously, since I've played so much, it's been an incredible blast. And it's crazy because I have played that game so many times. And I've I've actually beaten it. I've launched the rocket right. multiple times. This isn't this isn't I've only gotten halfway through it. Like I've well I've and done it all. Like so two things. I love that you can ride the train as well. Like yeah. it doesn't just go. You can get in it and in the beginning you kinda of have to to drive it somewhere. And then <laughs> later on you can automate it and hop in it to have it take you to another base. Like yeah. and then hop out. Like that's and you can set up whole networks of trains. It's not just one. Oh, like you can set yeah. up multiple trains and you can have like signal crossing so that they can cross over the and same you have track to make sure and you do wreck. it right so they don't wreck in. Yeah, if they do wreck into each other, that's a problem. Just, Actually, I think they might have I, I don't know if that was used to be there, but now basically if there's two trains on a collision course, they'll just stop and say uh, we can't go because there's not the orders in right. place. You, you have to set up the signals to tell one to stop when another one's coming through and that sort of stuff. But still um, having a train stopped halfway across the map and no way to get problem. to that train because that's the way you get there. Yeah. I, I mean, I had that problem last night. I was like, why don't I have any copper? Like I have a gigantic copper mine that is nonstop running from a train flooding my base with copper. And I had no copper on my conveyor belts in my main bus and and then I go and look, and sure enough, my train had run out of fuel on the middle of the tracks. And I have to hop in a car, drive out to the train, and then make sure that at the train stations now, I have mm-hmm. a setup so that there's automated arms to feed coal into the train <laughs> yep. whenever it... But there's, I mean, the amount of detail in the game is crazy. Like, there's 
there's just upgraded versions of everything. So you use, you can use wood for fuel. You can use coal for fuel. You can boil down or not boil, but process down your, your oil materials, derivatives into solid fuel. Mm -hmm. You can make rocket fuel out of that. And each of the tab, like the fuel tablets have different lengths and how long they burn and how well they burn and how much pollution they make. Like everything is different. And how much speed they generate. The Mm -hmm. higher up in fuel tiers you go, the faster the vehicles go. Um, you eventually get power armor that you can put mods in. So like I have 25 robots on my person at any given time. I've got personal laser defense. So if an enemy gets close to me, it just automatically shoots them with lasers. I've got multiple exoskeletons. So I run, I have three exoskeletons in my power armor. So I run 90, I have a 90% increased movement speed just on foot. So anyway, and I don't mean to get too into the weeds, but it's just... I yeah it it is one of my absolute all-time favorite games I mean I even you know at the end of this we always mention that I have my other podcast the walk show that's about everything not related to gaming even on that podcast I have an episode dedicated basically to Factorio um because I just love it so much if you have I just if you're listening to this I cannot urge you enough to go give it a look I don't know if there's a demo there might be now that it's 1.0 um I think it's 20 bucks full price maybe 30 I don't it it is so worth it. It is oh, yeah. one of the, it is one of the best games I've ever played. It's so I, brilliant. And, and like I said, like I may not have beaten it, but I've still put my three four hundred hours into it easily. Like mm-hmm. it, it is such a good game, and there's still so much that we like. There's so much we haven't touched on too. Like the modding community, ridiculous. Oh my god, yeah. If yep. you if you like uh oh what is it uh Skyblock in Minecraft. There is a Skyblock version of Factorio where it's a water world and you start on like a 10 by 10 thing of dirt and there are recipes for making dirt and and building your island out to get all to get to all the way up mm-hmm. to building a rocket. So it's it's Skyblock but industrial craft. And, yeah. and the goal is to reach the nuclear age. Like it's all of that is available. There's mods for making enemies crazier, more types of ore and a lot of them are not there are there is a good enough structure to the modding community a lot like kerbal where there are a lot of quote-unquote fair mods where it's not just about like well you start the game with a gatling laser dragon friend and it kills everything on the map for you like right you know there's a lot of added difficulty and added technology tiers and stuff yeah i mean i think two of the most popular mod packs are bobs and angels uh, or bobs and angel or something like that but either way they add different they add more materials which if you've never played probably doesn't sound like that big of a deal but what you were talking about earlier whenever i said well let's explain the game more when you were like well i kind of break down usually at the point of having to refine oil and figure all that out the reason is because it starts to become this like kind of overwhelming maze of of having to like connect all these different things because you know like i said earlier Maybe you make copper and that turns into copper wire. And then that copper wire gets used with an iron plate to make a green chip. But then the green chip gets used with other things to make a red chip and yep. on and, and on. And then later on. on, you need green chips and red chips and plastic to make right. another thing. And that thing is used. Then you need regular oil and refined oil or petroleum with that right. thing. So it's like you've got to bring over 30% of your oil needs to be used to make plastic but then 10% needs to be dedicated and you've got to do the math on how much of your production goes where to keep it all running. Like I would say that I would say the thing that probably changed 
all of that the most for me was was a I figured out an an easy system probably two years ago for the fluid management that that just works and not that I'm brilliant or or that there are not a thousand other ways to do it I'm sure there are but the system that I figured out for myself is not confusing it's all straightforward it it everything flows <laughs> in a normal way and it and it, it and I just stick to that. I just only set up right. my fuel system that way now, or my not fuel, but fluid system that way. Um, and then the other thing, so the Reddit community for Factorio is incredible. Huge. The, the, yeah, the, the, the Factorio subreddit, I cannot give enough shout outs to, and I'm not even a big Reddit guy. Um, but it, again, if you have even a passing interest, go look there because it's it's crazy the amount of stuff that people come up with. But anyway, one of the primary concepts that, that the experienced Factorio players talk about um, or advocate is, is this idea of having a main bus, right? Where you, you get whatever materials, but then you're putting them on pipelines that just run in a direction for a very long way. All the way through like the central, the center area of your base is a giant track of tracks. Right. And, and, you know, you space them out for different reasons, whatever, but, but, but either way, basically, yeah, it's this giant track of tracks. And what that does is it helps you keep things more organized because then you can just, to make a new product, you just take an offshoot out of the bus and make a new factory, if you will, set up over to the side. But then the bus is still going. Right. So those materials are not now dead ending there. That's just an offshoot. Um, that helped me a lot with the overwhelming feeling when you get to the point of oil. Yeah. Because if you just have a spaghetti base, which is what oh, I used to do. It is so yeah, I definitely adopted the, the heart line or the main bus kind of ideology. And I got, I've gotten through fluid fluids a few times, but it just, I don't know. I also just, there's only so much sorting I can do. It's an amazing game. I just can only do so much sorting. Yeah. Well, another thing that they've done that, that, you know, they've, they've had some really smart improvements. So, you know, I described at the beginning that you're 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 researching these different. They call them science packs, and there's just different colors of them, and that's how you unlock technology. So that's the real progression of the game: is you need to build certain materials to make science packs to research those in a lab that takes a certain amount of time to process the science pack, and that's how you advance your technology, which is eventually how you will beat the game. Um, they've done smart things where the science pack recipes used to be more arbitrary and what they did was they went in and changed them so that the science packs require items that you should be automating anyway. Right. Like inserter arms or the conveyor belts mm -hmm. or the factories or whatever. And it didn't used to be that way. Right. So it used to be that you could very easily not be automating something that you need a ton of which then adds to the tedium because you can craft anything just out of your in well not anything but most things out of your inventory but it takes a while right yeah. it's not and it's not automated it's you have to manually tell it to do it every time um so i think they've done a lot of smart things in the last few years of its early access period that that shifted that helped a player more intuitively play the right way in right. air quotes yeah um Kind of guide them anyway, in the right direction, not necessarily play the right way, but kind of guide you into. Yeah, if you're going to make science packs, you're going to have to automate them. And if you're going to do that, you have to automate inserter arms, which now means you have access to lots and lots of inserter arms 
Because if you don't have things automated, what you'll find yourself doing is trying to think of other ways to set something up because you're like, well, I don't have any of those. So how can I recreate this? And it's like, stop, yeah. stop. Just go back <laughs> and automate it. I literally have automation for every item in the game that I would ever use. That's awesome. Because I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> once you get robots, there's no reason to not do that. That's true. That is true. I've gotten to robots like once. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just kind of stall out. I get it, man. I get it. For me, that's me on almost every other video game, frankly. Um, but for whatever reason, Factorio continues to to thrive in my heart. Uh, so, I, yeah, I love Factorio. I highly recommend everyone go check out Factorio. Props to them for having an eight-year journey. Yeah, congrats uh, on their 1.0. Like, yeah, congrats on on just the quality of game that they made. Uh, it's it's rare, as we've talked about with early access. It's rare to see something come out of early access and be excellent in early access. Um, and it it I think it's even more rare for it to be something that's this unique of a game, right? For like sure. It's so innovative. Well, I mean, they spawned satis like satisfactory came from people going, "We wanted to make Factorio in first person." Yeah, like that was just legit what they wanted to do. And I don't even mean to hate on Satisfactory. It is visually that's an incredibly amazing. satisfying. Yeah, um, and they do a lot of things really well. I, honestly, I think Factorio's just got a head start on them, and it's where I started. Yeah, right? so it's, it's how I kinship. think of it. Yep. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, now that I've talked for an hour about Factorio, <laughs> what else did you play last week? <laughs> so I've got two other games. Um, one of them I will reference very briefly because there's a lot to it, but it's a very more rapid style of play. And that is, I have finally played Nuclear Throne by Vlambeer. Mm. And uh, Nuclear Throne is a top-down, uh, free-roaming kind of shooter. It's kind of, it's a rogue, so it's a roguelike. Uh, it's very fast-paced, uh, very quick death, and it is not a rogue light it is literally a rogue like um you you do not progress there's no meta progression outside of character unlocks there's no there's a couple of things that you can get but really only if you quote unquote loop the game which is get to the end and start over uh you can unlock a couple of items but there is no other you're not collecting gold and unlocking stuff at camp or any of that um it is very brutal you can get hit like two or three times. You have most characters have 10 HP or less. Um, and it's just random. There's different zones and each zone has two to three levels in it, but all of the weapons and unlocks and things in each zone are all random. Um, the enemies are the same, but random assortments of said enemies are in each zone. And yeah, it's just kind of a, a little top down run and gun kind of game. Um, but instead of a ship, you're a little character. And it's all post-apocalyptic. Ran All the characters are like, there's robot and guy whose head is made out of eyeballs and fish, who's like a little mutant fish dude. And each character has their own special abilities, uh, tons of guns. And it's just, I don't, it's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit bullet hell. Um, there are some bosses that you can fight that are kind of bullet hell monsters, but all of them are brutal. Like getting past like the third level um, of the first zone took me a good while. Like a playthrough probably lasts me about five to eight minutes and eight minutes is like, I'm rocking it. Um, <laughs> right. I have not looped the game yet. I have not gotten to the last zone. 
I have gotten to some of the secret areas, so I can get through, like, y you can go to a secret area that takes you from zone one to a secret area to then to, like, zone three, uh, and straight to the boss of zone three. So it, you skip a huge chunk of the game that way, um, like speed run strats, but it's difficult to do that, <laughs> and I don't do it very well or very often. It's just very, like, it, it is very satisfying in the fact that every time I die, I felt like it was my fault. Mm. Um, so I don't ever feel like the game is like screwing me. It's I approach that. I know better than to run into that guy because he has a shotgun. Mm -hmm. Like I know better than to not look around that corner because assassins will kill you. Like, but mm. the first time you encounter those things, it can feel kind of cheap. But you mm. learn and you're like, okay, I know that this guy is a shotgun now. I get it. You know, right. next time. I see, and there's not so many guys or you know variations of enemies that it's impossible to remember or anything. Super fast paced, super fun. I'm having a blast with it. Huh? Yeah, that sounds cool. It, it, it's so interesting. I, I watched this interview. This is not related directly to Nuclear Throne, but the roguelike comment that you made. So I watched this interview the other day with David Brevik, who was the one of the original designers of Diablo. Mm -hmm. um, and he talked about how his inspiration for Diablo a lot of it was actually MUDs, of which Rogue was that. Um, and I never really thought about Diablo. It's funny because I've never heard Diablo referred to as a roguelike. But if you, especially if you play hardcore Diablo, it is. Like if you make a hardcore character, yeah. it is a roguelike. It's randomized levels, randomized enemies, and it's permadeath if you're playing hardcore. Mm -hmm. like, it's just longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not an eight minute game. Right. But yeah. Anyway, I just I think that's interesting, and I I it's there's another genre right that's just it's crazy how uh, or another game that's become a genre now right it, it's crazy how we were talking earlier about the RPGs and and Souls like and whatever but there's a lot of mechanics from that era that are from Rogue that have infiltrated a ton of things I right. mean you have your on the nose ones like Rogue Legacy yeah. <laughs> but um which apparently there's rogue legacy 2 now yeah. i think i'm i don't know if i mentioned that before or not but haven't played it <laughs> rogue legacy made me feel like a bad gamer yeah. so uh i mean honestly nuclear throne kind of does too but the shortness of the game is what because <laughs> I, I will play through maybe two runs yeah. and that's 10 15 minutes and i'll go do something else like i said i've not been playing as much so it's like the perfect amount of gameplay for me to come back and then come back a few minutes later or half an hour later or whatever play a couple minutes on break go do something else uh but it is so brutal like so it's it's also so vlambeer the they've made a, a ton of different games but i played the most of like super crate box um mm. and it plays the guns and things that you get are similar to super crate box just in a top down instead of a platformer style but it is just as brutal and i i kind of like if it's going to be that brutal, it needs to be short, in my opinion, like just for my gameplay style. Mm -hmm. But it just is that so well that I don't know, I can I can really jam on it. And if I fail a couple of times, I definitely feel like I should. It took me, I don't know, a week and a half, almost two weeks to get to zone three <laughs> and and or to beat zone three. And I'm mm -hmm. even using just the same character every time that has like there's a crystal has a shield that can block all bullets and the highest amount of health. And I'm still just like, 
not getting any. If I play any other characters, I don't get to zone three because I'm right. so used to using the shield. I like use their special and it's not a shield. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to dodge bullets. <laughs> right, right. But it, it, it feels bad. Like I should be further than this, but never yeah. to a point where I'm like, I'm terrible. Rogue right. Legacy, I feel like I eventually hit the wall where I never got any further. And at that's least what in Nuclear Throne, I'm getting further. So, Yeah, that's what happened to me, Rogue Legacy, was I had bought upgrades. And maybe I bought the wrong upgrades. I don't know. But I bought upgrades and got to a point where I couldn't make enough money in a single run to buy any more upgrades ever. And I just don't know what else to do. Like, right. I just I suck at this. And, <laughs> and then you watch speedrunners of it, and it's like, don't taunt me with your <laughs> Well, and it's, it, it is, Rogue Legacy is kind of the same in, like, you know what you did wrong. You yep. know how to dodge. You even know you the patterns of awesome. Yeah. yeah, you just can't make the brain, can't make the hands do that right. Like, well, well. So, yeah. Nuclear Throne, short shout-out, great game. I, I also picked up Enter the Gungeon, which is heavily Ooh. inspired by uh, Nuclear Throne. I've played that. I haven't. Okay. Um, but I'm thinking about it, except by the time I beat enter, or by the time I beat nuclear throne, I probably won't want to play enter the gungeon, but I have it. I as think into the, I think into the gungeon might be playable co-op. We might look, I at think that. so. Yeah. I I've seen a lot. I've watched a lot of online playthroughs of that. And like that, and like binding of Isaac, I got addicted to watching people play that for a while. Um, but I've never actually played it. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what inspired me to pick it up. Cause it's not normally a, game that would look like something i would want maybe i got in a bundle but it was actually pleasantly surprising it also was pretty hard yeah so i didn't give it a ton of time but it was cool um the other game is a game that we mentioned that we uh went back in time on and did kind of a deep dive one of my uh all-time favorite games of all time which is the top-down shooter Tyrion. Mm. and in our episode on that i uh talked about how i'd never played through on hard mode uh, so having said that publicly and then feeling like, oh, gee, I got kind of wanted to play something, wanted to get something else. I was like, well, I can play Tyrion in hard mode. Like, come on. And uh, I gave myself a little challenge and started playing through it. And I had hit something that has, this has happened a number of times. and I don't think I ever talked about it because it's not something that I could, would, was very topical to think about where you're. You're flying through a level, top to Tyrion, top-down shooter. For those that haven't listened to the Tyrion episode, go listen to it and go get Tyrion. It's free. Um, it's an awesome top-down shooter. In my opinion, it's the king of all top-down shooters. And uh, great, great game. And there, every now and again, something would happen where, like, my ship would suddenly have more armor or maybe a whole bunch of bombs appear on the screen or something happens. And I, it was so rare that I never really knew what I was doing. And there's so much happening in that game. That's kind of chaotic that I was just kind of chalk it up to whatever I hit a power up or some combo of enemies or something. There's a whole piece of the game that I did not know about that. I have mm -hmm. only just discovered, which is called twiddling. And it is essentially like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter moves that you can do and all of the ships have different ones. Wow. Yeah, and so I play mouse and keyboard, which means every now and again, I would just make one of them happen. But if you play with, because I would just use keyboard for like spacebar or for like slower movements or stuff, but mouse for moving around on the screen. And 
yeah, if you use just keyboard, there's like up fire, down, down, release fire, left, right is bomb spray. And so like, I would just make that happen sometimes because I, and and I did it in hard mode and I was like, okay, I have to know what this is. And yeah, not all, but most of the ships. And there are even certain ships that have like eight, like there's the Twiddler's Dream, which has like eight different combos, but you can like refill your armor by draining all your shields or get an invincibility cloak that lasts three seconds. And like, so you may want to take a cheaper ship that has less armor, but has the ability to get more armor over time if you're good at doing the keyboard combos. And That's insane. Yeah, so it's just a whole level of the game that I that had happened to me before, but I never knew what was going on or why. And I went and looked up like a walkthrough or a guide or whatever, like what is going on, like which ships are better or whatever. And yeah, it just found this whole mass of special abilities that were available for ships and i was just like what just completely blown away i've a game that i've played for 20 years has more depth to it and is already a very depth ridden game like this game is already deep in the amount of abilities and weapons and stuff you can get but in hard mode now i'm needing to use those to get through levels because i have fully upgraded guns and i still die and it's like oh now i can get I can refill my armor halfway through a mission if I have full shields and a good generator. And I use, if I find a breath of fresh air between a couple of bad guys and I'm able to like left, right, left, right, down, up fire, boom, I get more armor. And it's like, and all, and all the ships have different ones. It's just, again, my mind is just like, awesome. So great to go back and like discover new life. And I get so yeah, I'm playing through, I'm on, the third story arc of I think six and playing through on hard mode and loving every bit of it. That, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, because it's not like you just found like an Easter egg that you didn't know about mm-hmm. or like, which I mean that, that wouldn't have it been be exciting awesome too. too. Yeah. Right. But the fact that it's actually just like the depth of gameplay is actually just way more significant than you ever thought it was. Well, yeah. And it's the like, whole time. And so many of the kind of like Hand of Gilgamesh, it is kind of a new game. Plus, there are enemies that are doing attacks I've never seen before because they just didn't attack. And things that kill me way quicker, I have to be way smarter about dodging around. I can't just face tank stuff. Right. And having fully upgraded weapons isn't enough. The game is, I think, like, to be fair, I feel like hard mode is kind of how it's supposed to be played. Because the choices were harder. Earlier on, I would depower my front gun several steps to be able to afford a new shield. Mm. And then just hope that I could get through the next level on, you know, skill alone or by dodging shots. And it, right. it's it's a whole new game. It's totally different. So That's awesome. No, that's that's super cool. It reminds me so all games done quick was done in, again sometime in the last month here. And um I read an article, I probably on Kotaku or something, but anyway, I read an article about a guy who was watching, they did Sonic, um, Sonic three speed runs. And I guess that was like his game as a kid that he absolutely loved, but he actually didn't own a second Genesis. He just had a cousin that did. And so he didn't get to play it all of the time, but right. that's what he played as much as he could, you know, at his cousin's house, who was local, I guess. Anyway, well, one time his cousin, so, in Sonic, 
there are chaos emeralds and starting in the second sonic if you collect all of them then you unlock the ability to play the game as super sonic yes well so i had no idea any of this was a thing so there's sonic the hedgehog 3 mm-hmm. and then there's sonic and knuckles yes which you could plug well, sonic and 3 yes. into to play sonic and 3 and knuckles yes so in that if you get all of the chaos emeralds you can unlock like super chaos emeralds yes like if you, you get all basically the... replay through the game it is a new game plus right and you can get and hyper you... mode yes this dude had never heard of any of that in the 20 years that he's been playing it his cousin told him one time when they were kids that he had unlocked the super emeralds or whatever they're called in the hypersonic but he just thought his 11 year old cousin was just lying right you know what i mean yeah, like, like oh yeah sure just... like you get past you got past supersonic and you got to hypersonic yeah whatever Right. Of course, you would, like, you would call it hypersonic. Right. Oh. And he's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then, yeah, watches the stream and on All Games Done Quick and just sees that uh, it turns out his cousin was right the whole time and that is just actually a thing. <laughs> anyway, just when you told that story of Tyrion, it just reminded me of that. But that's even a that's even more of an example where, like, that's more kind of Easter eggy. I mean, it's more than just kind Easter of, yeah, egg. Yeah, it's a little bit like if you play through the game, you unlock it and you do all this, this, the special areas are guiding you in the direction of getting all the chaos emeralds. If you get all right. the chaos emeralds and a hundred rings, which isn't hard and you get supersonic, that's awesome. And it kind of guides you in the direction. And then you unlock the extra, the, the big emeralds or whatever. It's kind of telling you to do that. It is. I mean, it is really hard. It is incredibly hard to do that. that. Yes. Um, but it's not like there's some entirely new move set for Sonic that no one ever knew about. Right. You know like if I mean? you up, down, left, right punch, like you do an <laughs> uppercut as Sonic, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shoots a fireball or something. Right. Like. Uh, yeah. Well, that's super. That's super cool. Actually. And also, I think we've said it before, but I'll, I'll say it every time that it comes around. It's every six months or so. Shout out to all games done quick. Yeah. Uh, if anyone isn't familiar with that or isn't checking that out, to be clear, I don't marathon it. I don't just watch everything. But it's just a speedrunning event, charity event that happens every six months. And it's excellent. Like, it's so cool. And you get to see, especially if you've been a gamer for a while, you can see older games that just like that we're talking about, where maybe you thought you understood it and you see people who have dedicated lots of time to mastering it. It's just really cool. And it's a fun community and everyone's really positive. Again, it's all for charity. Yeah. Um, really, really cool. So no, I love watching AGDQ stuff and, and, the winter games version and, and yeah. going back through those. I also really love watching the Tazbot blocks, which is, you know, tool assisted speed runs. So it's basically a program running through a speed run and what you can do with that. They had the develop one of the best ones, especially if you've, if you haven't played Celeste, I don't recommend watching it, but if you have, whether you've beaten it or not, or just enjoy it, uh, the Celeste Taz block has the developers of Celeste on it. And, the Taz team that went through had several things that even the developers didn't know about that they discovered <laughs> that are so you almost can't do them as a human. You almost have to be a machine to do them to break the game and break it so hard and in such a wild way that the devs the whole time are cheering and laughing and like just getting into it and just the number of wows that people are exclaiming. It is such a good ride to watch Celeste done through Taz. It is so good. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think for me, it expo- it exposed me to Mario 64 uh, speedruns. Oh, yeah. Which, honestly, Mario 64 speedruns kind of broke me a little bit on platformer speedruns because Mario 64 camera angles are so insane because mm-hmm. uh, you don't have control. Right. So these guys are doing, or gals, whatever, but these people are doing these insane jump sequences blind like they can't even see where they're jumping to because the camera is not pointed that way yet and it's it's wild if you've never watched the super mario 64 speed run just just go do you don't have to watch the whole thing to get what i'm talking about it's it's incredible well and some i mean like super mario 64 some of the speed runs are like 10 minutes so (laughs) yeah i've i've watched the ones that are all no no glitch like all stars yeah 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 um when I say no glitch, I mean, I'm, they still do something. No major not, glitches. They're not skipping giant chunks right. of the game. They're hundred percenting it basically. Um, but then there's some games I will say, and I don't mean to go off on this huge tangent about this, but things like, like Ocarina of time, I really don't enjoy because the way they have to do it is, is this, you roll constantly mm-hmm. with link. You don't ever walk. Yeah. 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 For an hour. It's horrible. <laughs> And honestly, yeah, it's horrible. And it, well, and it, it just it doesn't. You know, when you watch Mario sixty four, even though there's probably zero chance that I could ever play it like they do because I've not put that time into it. Right. When you watch it, it looks like someone playing the real game still. But when you watch the the Ocarina of Time speed run, it is very clearly someone who is trying to exploit every tiniest thing they can, yeah. not actually playing the game. Um, so it kind of steals away for me, at least some of the the excitement of, of what they're doing. Um, anyway, well, that's super awesome. So you, so we we beat Hand of Gilgamesh. You found new gameplay in Tyrion. I learned twiddle. I, I learned how to twiddle. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I fell in love with Factorio all over again, which I really didn't even know. Like I loaded it up because it was one and I was like, well, I feel like I owe it that because I like yeah, it take so a look much. At it. And then completely sucked but i even and I, i'll talk about it on the next what what have we been playing episode but i even picked up another mmo and didn't and and limited myself in my play of it just to play more factorio i mean that's fair. it is now take this is the longest episode i'd have no doubt that we have gone without talking about an mmo i know we're about done and i had to say the phrase yeah, so well you know i <laughs> can't not do it <laughs> so that's all for our episode today Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at P-U-Y-S-Pod, or go there and follow us to get a notification on our stream times. Check out the links below for many other ways of getting a hold of us. From email to Discord, we would love to hear and discuss your thoughts. If you like this episode, please give us a rating, a star, a thumbs up, or a review wherever you're listening. And tell a friend about us, because that really makes a difference. All of our links will be available in the show notes, and if you want to hear more of Walker's insights and enjoy long-form conversations with a variety of unique guests on topics outside of gaming, check out his other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found.